Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards, a podcast where we try to look at how to change our understanding of psychology and help people to change at a a faster and deeper level. So today, I'm here with my brilliant and magnificent friend, coming to us from the cold. Judy Sedgman, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where there's kind of a cold rain. Yeah, it's actually cold here today. It's uh, in the, I think it's like in the 60s. Was like, last night we had a thunderstorm, it was like 65 degrees, I think. Wow. Yeah. I got a sweatshirt on and I'm, I'm dressed like you. Well, yeah, it's true. We're both wearing like sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah. So what we're going to talk to you about today is um, ADHD. Last week we talked about um, what about biological things that affect the brain and what can we do about that. And we realized after we finished it that we didn't spend a lot of time on attention deficit disorder. And because it's the new fad in the world, actually about the last 20 years, I think it's become like, oh, you have attention deficit disorder. And, you know, it's a funny thing because we're going to do the best we can to talk about it because we're just learning too. We're learning a lot about the possibilities that people have. And that's really what the principles bring is possibilities for people that have ADHD to calm down and do their life in a way that's not so frenetic. Because <laughs> when people have ADHD, their little minds are going all over the place and their thoughts kind of, it, it, they describe it like they're watching TV and they keep clicking the channel. So the channel keeps changing and it feels like they have no control over their thinking at all. Um, and they try to manage their thinking quite a bit. And then they'll have times when they're like so focused on things, they can't give it up. So like people that get really caught up in video games, like kids will be on video games forever, but they're able to focus and they're totally in present in the moment when they're doing that. So we were looking at this uh, on how we talk about it, because I think that partly when things get out into the, world. It becomes part of the normal conversation with people. People say, oh, I'm I'm a little ADHD. And because we all are a little ADHD when our minds are going really fast, you know, when we're not listening, when we're not, um, we're trying to do like three things at once, we get so overwhelmed in our own minds. And it's, um, feels like, uh, when that happens, you kind of know something's malfunctioning, right? So people that have it really try hard. I mean, many of them just, they, they really try hard to focus and to to um, uh, get things done. But the trying is thinking. 
And so they start thinking about how they can't do it. And then they start thinking about what they need to control to do it. So the thinking about it gets very dysfunctional. And so people, again, going back to what we talked about, like with autism, by focusing on a feeling and seeing how to quiet the mind by insight, insight into how thought works, insight into how health works in people, how to live in healthier states of mind, those insights then decrease the fear level we're living in, decrease the insecurity we're living in, and our mind gets quieter. And then we're able to focus again. And I think that that's the promise. That's the possibility for that. Now, sometimes people go through trauma and they, in my mind, they're like stuck in the feeling of that time in their life. They're just stuck in this very, very freaked out state of mind. So their brains are always like, they're always overthinking everything and they're, they're at on alert. So they're frequently uh, in PTSD work, they call it um, hypervigilant, but they're very easily distracted. That's why we call it a distraction problem. And when you're distracted, you're looking at the outside world and your mind is focused on that rather than being focused within yourself and seeing how to stay in a, calmer, more secure state of mind. So that's what we would call the treatment of this. Now, are there some people that need medication? Yeah, there are. You know, there are some people that it'll help them in order to slow down enough that they can start to see what it feels like to be in a quieter state of mind, to see what it feels like to not have such a a, a, a radical number of thoughts going around in your head. And it doesn't matter, you know, if, if you take, like what I found is that people that have ADHD that really have ADHD, they take the medication and they immediately get focused. There's a dramatic change in them. Other people take it, but I don't really notice much difference. And I think that those people probably do not have ADHD, but they have just a lot of busy mindedness. And, and that busy mindedness is what they get caught up in. And then they start thinking they can't focus and then they can't focus, right? So it, it kind of, it kind of perpetuates itself. But I, I've, you know, like my sister has ADHD. She's got like a, um, in her brain, she's got like a, a bunch of veins that are all wound up together. I guess you can get them in different parts of your body frequently. People have them on their livers or different parts, but she's got one in the middle of her brain and she didn't know it. And they did a CAT scan of her brain and came back and told her, well, you have kind of like this hole in your brain. And she came back. She says, I told you I had a hole in my brain. And, <laughs> but you know, it's there. So that there's something biological, I think that kind of does it. So she has a hard time focusing. She's very dyslexic. She's like dysfunctionally dys- dyslexic. And, um, Yet she's very bright and she's very charming and she makes it through life like she's a a ballerina. And you'd never know this about her because she just lives in a healthier state of mind. So I I think that one of the things that happens, though, is when people, we live in a world where we're taught to be thinking all the time. And if you're smart, you do it very effortlessly. (laughs) 
So it becomes like a crutch instead of really helping people to see that that's just a, a side tool that we should be using periodically and not the, not the main thing that you do in life. That's, that's a lovely way to put it. You know, I, I uh, was, in the years that I was on a faculty of a medical school, I was part of my work there because I was doing this work was to be a mentor to students who were struggling with, uh, who were in academic trouble. And basically no one, anybody who's failing in medical school is not, not bright enough to do the work because it is so competitive to get into medical school that if you get in, they're positive that you can do the work. And uh, so they're always, uh, the big effort is never to fail people out. That's, you know, like in regular college, you fail, you fail. In medical school, they always look for some other, something else going on. And sometimes it's a person really didn't want to go to medical school and they want to be a biochemist or something. And sometimes it's strictly mental most of the time. And a lot of the time it was uh, ADHD. And uh, I, had one, <laughs> I had one student one time who was actually in the, um, in the pharmacy program. And he had, uh, uh, which was very is interesting to me, that pharmacy is one of the most difficult programs in the allied health field. It's just because there's so much you have to know and there's so many drugs and so many drug combinations. Uh, and he was struggling. And so uh, they sent him to me because he was on the verge of failing two courses, which would have thrown him out of uh, pharmacy school. And he he said, well, you know, the, the textbooks are so big. They have so many words in them, and these words are tiny, and there's no pictures. <laughs> and I just can't do it. And I said, uh, are the words too hard? And he said, no, no. He said, it's science. I mean, I love science, but he said, it's just so many words and I just get freaked out. I just can't do it. I can't sit there and do it. So I said, well, tell me like, did you, because he had had a test that day and then he came to me from the test because he was, he knew he had probably failed it. And uh, I said, like last night studying for the test, what did you have to do? He said, well, I had to review my notes and then I had to review 75 pages of the textbook. And he showed me his textbook. It was a big, thick book. And I said, so how did you go about it? He said, well, uh, you know, I got back to my dorm and I, um, and I sat down with a book and I marked off the 75 pages. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, man, that's a lot of pages. I better fix a sandwich. So he said, I went into the kitchen and fixed a sandwich for myself. And I thought, well, if I'm having a sandwich, I might as well make some coffee. So he started making coffee and then he realized he didn't have any clean dish towels. So he did his laundry and took the laundry and put it in the washing machine. And I said, okay. And then you took the sandwich and the coffee back. And he said, well, no. He said, I realized it was time for the news. And I thought, well, I'll watch the news. And then I'll start to study. So I ate my sandwich and I was watching the news. And then there was something on the news that, that got my attention. I called a friend of mine to see if he had watched the news. And then we started talking about that. 
And then my friend uh, wanted to come by and borrow my bike because he wanted to go somewhere. So he came by and borrowed my bike. And it was like all these things. And I said, so when did you study? He said, well, you know, uh, by the time I went back to the book, it was like I only had about an hour and a half before I had to go to bed. I was getting so tired. And I said, so the reason that you fail the test is not because you have ADHD. It's because you didn't study. And he said, well, if you put it that way, you're in pharmacy school. And I said, is there something you noticed about what happens to you when you set out to do something? He said, well, I, and my mother used to always, he said, there used to be a little cartoon where they'd show the little child walking home. And there was a straight street that went from where he was to his home, but he would go through two backyards and then up another street and then over and then around. So he had this circuitous path. And his mother always used to show him that cartoon when he was little and say, you're just like that kid. You never draw a straight line and go from A to B. And I said, do you think that's true? And he said, well, I mean, it depends what A and B is. (laughs) (laughs) So... And, you know, and then I said, have you ever been diagnosed with anything? And he said, uh, he said, no. And I said, well, how did you do in high school and college? He said, well, I took all science courses and um, the textbooks, I didn't even need to read the textbooks. I went to the class and I'm good at science. And, but now I've got to know all this other stuff. It's sort of, it's science, but it's complicated. And I said, so what do you want to do? And he said, I will want to be a pharmacist. And I said, well, you're going to have to figure out how to quiet down and read. You just, not that you can't read, not that it's too hard for you. None of those things even came up. You're just saying, I can't do it. And he said, well, why can't I do it? And I said, well, my first thought is that you might want to, you know, get some medication for ADHD because that's what I think is the problem is that you're so distracted by things that are going on in life meaningless things that you just keep going around in circles, just like the kid in the cartoon, you never make it home. You know? And I said, but on the other hand, uh, you can also learn to do this for yourself. And uh, some combination of some medication and me talking to you might help you. So he said, well, okay, so what do you have to say? And I said, you really want to be a pharmacist and that's where your heart is. And to get there, there is a path and it's a straight, narrow path. It's called study every night in school. And there's also the winding path of life, which is do your laundry, go to the grocery store, talk to your friends on the phone, blah, blah, blah. And you got to decide when it's right to take which path. And he said, well, I never feel like I'm distracted. And that was very, that was an insightful moment to me because I thought, no, he probably wouldn't because it's just the thing is right in front of him and he goes for it, you know. So I said, well, do you know how to slow your thinking down? And he said, "Uh, no, I have no idea. And I remember I, the first thing I did was I, um, I read him the chapter on living in the now from the missing link. And I asked him to just sit there and listen, not pay much attention, just, you know, just listen to it. I said, you don't have to listen to every word and figure it out or just listen. And he really did quiet down quite a lot. It's kind of all of these books make you slow down somehow. And, uh, and I said, now, the now 
is is the moment when your mind is clear. That's what that means. In the now, all you're thinking about is the thing that needs to be there. And other things don't matter. That's being present, not going back in your past or back into the future thinking, oh, I'm hungry, I'll go get this, or oh, I didn't do my laundry yet, I'll go do that. It's just being, I'm studying for my test. That's what I'm doing now. And I used to um, take walks with him. He couldn't sit still very well, even in my office. Fortunately, it was fall. It was really pretty out. And I would take walks with him. And we'd walk and, you know, there were paths and places to walk that were pretty. And all I did uh, with that young man is get him to be more reflective and more contemplative. And I think he did get some medication from his doctor. I never really asked him. I told him to go to the doctor and I'm sure he probably did get some. Um, but he, he actually came alive. You know, it was really a beautiful thing because he, he started doing well in school and then he saw his goal of being a pharmacist starting to come into reality. And on top of that, um, everything was getting done and he couldn't figure out how that was happening because he wasn't running around in circles, starting this, dropping that, doing, you know, because the problem with thinking too fast is you try to do too much at too soon and never finish anything. And, uh, but that was a, that was a big learning experience for me because it, it dawned on me for the first time that people don't realize what they're doing. You know, it seems normal to you if you're, if you're in the habit of multitasking or having 16 things on your mind at a time or doing this or that, it, you think that's normal for you. you. You don't see anything wrong with that. And when I pointed it out to him, he was like, yeah, you know, like that, doesn't everybody live that way? And I think that was a really humbling moment for me because it made me stop and think, well, what, how many things do I do that I probably aren't working for me that, you know, if I could calm down some more, they, I would do them better. And there were things, trust me. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. That's the, that's the whole beauty of this is that we're always evolving, but the answer is always the same for everything, isn't it? It's like all the different diagnoses and problems that we have, the more we can quiet down and look within, like we're looking we're the person observing ourselves, right? Instead of living in what we're observing, that it it's it allows people to then do something about it. Because most people come and say, "I can't stop my mind. I can't," but they're trying to think about not thinking, and of course, that just makes it worse. It's just like adding um, fire to uh, oil to the fire, and then it gets hopeless because you're trying so hard and it gets worse and you can't do it. And then you get frustrated and you just want to give up, you know, and as, as people quiet down and they start to listen, because listening is also very hard when you have attention deficit disorder, like your mind's all over the place and it's really hard to, to stay focused, but just working on that and taking it a step at a time and knowing that that's possible because most people that have attention deficit disorder have things that they do obsessively, right? Like they get locked into playing a video game and they'll do it for hours and hours and hours. So the truth is, is that you can focus and that focusing when you're like, to me, it's like the, 
the computer in your head connects with the p- computer on the screen. And when you have that connection, you, you're able to be present in the moment. But if you can do that, then you can do it anytime. You just don't see how to do it yet. And that's, I think, the possibilities that people have. We have to look at if, if you can do it here, you can do it anywhere. Instead of like, oh, I can do it here, but I can't do it here. Because we're looking at the content of what people are thinking about. And instead of seeing that they have health before that, we just write it off like, okay, this is a, a disorder of the brain. And you just have to medicate it and, you know, understand there's some things you won't be able to do because you can't do it. You know, so we give people extra time to take tests. And I mean, there's a, there's, there's some understanding coming about this, but the more we learn about how our state of mind affects our brain, the more, the better results we're going to get with that. Because that's, you know, like, like I was just telling you that I have this, uh, uh, we have a substance abuse program and most of the people in the substance abuse program are on meth and methamphetamine. So they're already speeded up quite a bit. And, uh, and then they take meth and um, they're like, you know, very hard to focus. Like frequently we do a group, they come in and they're like walking around in the, you know, cause it's all online and they'll like make dinner for their kids and bathe their children. And, you know, they're just like, all over the place and they walk around. So the screen like moves away. I get carsick. I got to tell me I'm getting carsick here. You got to come back and sit down. Right. Because they're so hard to just listen, just to relax and listen in the moment. And so this, this young man was coming to see us for about eight months. And during that time, his mind never quieted. Now that's unusual for us that somebody would come for treatment that long. And, um, well, it turned, come to find out, uh, no, he wasn't clean from methamphetamine. He was still using on the side and getting his brother to give him some urine to pass the test. And I was going to send him to get evaluated to see if he had attention deficit disorder, because according to my test, he was clean from drugs and he, his mind was not quieting down. And the only understanding I, I could come to was, oh, this must be because uh, he's got attention deficit disorder, a bad case of it too. And um, so it's funny because when, when I found out he was actually still using, I was so relieved because I thought, oh, this might be the one thing I can't help. I can't, I can't do anything with. But when I found out he was still a user, I was like, oh yeah, no attention deficit disorder stuff for you, buddy, till you uh, get calmer. And now I'm onto him, right? So I know what he's like because he got put in jail and he was off the drugs for four or five days. So I could see what he looked like when he wasn't on drugs. So, I mean, that's the other thing is people like drink excessive caffeine. They take drugs. They do all kinds of stuff and then think they have attention deficit disorder rather than really living in a healthier place and seeing how what you're doing to yourself affects your little mind hmm that that's a that's a that's a great story too i had a young woman one time who um had been a, a, a flew through medical school you know passed everything she was a really she was an honor student but she couldn't pass the licensing test at the end 
so she couldn't get her medical license. And and that, I mean, that just doesn't happen with somebody who flew through medical school with no problem. And I said, um, what, what seems to be the issue with you? And she said, I get so worked up. I get so worked up. She said, it's not like you can't study for it. It's like everything you ever knew about medicine. I said, well, that's the point. You're going to be licensed to practice medicine. You can't walk around with your textbooks. <laughs> you, by this time, you know it. So you shouldn't even have to study for it. That, that's not what you do. You prepare yourself differently. She said, oh, I can't do that. She said, I'm, I'm just driven to distraction. She says, I get all my textbooks from my, all the years in medical school and my notes and I pile them up and then I start trying to read them. And she said, I go to take the test and I start throwing up. And I can't stop throwing up and I have to not go to the test. And I said, um, okay. And I said, what if you just figured, okay, I've flunked this thing twice now. So I'll give myself another shot at it. And I don't care if I pass or not. If I don't pass, I'll just go be something else. And she said, well, I can't do that. My parents paid all this money for me because she's like all worked up again. And I said, well, you really, you haven't got much choice here. Because you, you twice now, you've gotten all worked up and gotten your mind going a zillion miles an hour. She said, yeah, I know I was a little ADHD before and now it's a thousand times worse. And I said, well, you've gotten yourself going so fast that the only way you can slow yourself down is not to give a damn whether you pass the test or not. And just go in there and take it to see what's on it. You know, and, and, and you're not even, you don't even go in the room. You don't even know what's on the test. You don't know if you can pass it. She said, oh, I don't think I can do it. She said, would you come with me and get me past the bushes so I'm not standing there throwing up in the bushes? And I said, no, I'm, can't, I'm not going to do that. You're going to do it. You walk into the room. You're not even worried about, you're not going to be a doctor. You're just going in there to find out what's on the test. And if you happen to know the answer to the question, just write it down. And she's like, I just don't think I can. And I said, and the night before the test, go out to a movie or something with your friends. Don't drink. Don't stay up too late. Just go to a movie. Go to something fun. She's like, oh, my God, I can't do that. I have to study. I said, you cannot study four years of medical school in one night. And, well, so she she finally, her parents were like, do what she says. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because she told her parents, she said, I've got this crazy woman talking to me that tells me I don't have to study. Well, her parents knew that. So they said, I'll just do what she says. And if you don't pass, now you can just do something else, work in a hospital somewhere. And uh, of course she did. She passed the test. And she got out of there. She didn't think she'd pass. But she, I said, go ahead and answer the questions because, you know, it's how you'll know. Uh, but, you know, you don't care because you're probably not going to pass. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so. She answered the question. She passed the test. She's a doctor. But um, the thing about it is, is that a lot of times people who tend to think fast anyway, so let's say they, you know, they think of themselves as, as many people do, somewhat ADHD or sometimes ADHD, they use that to get themselves revved up when they have something important to do. And that's what she was doing. She was thinking, well, you know, it's going to, I, I can work fast. I can do a lot of things at one time. I can, you know, I can do all this stuff. And then she would get frantic because she couldn't do any of it because you can't do four years in one night of study. 
And uh, then she would forget everything she knew. Because what you know is there, but you can't access it when your mind is working on your problem. I can't pass. I can't pass. Your mind has to be able to access what you've already known. And I thought, it's so interesting how that works, that people who do well in school are not people who cram the night before the test. They're people that just learn things incrementally, store it away, and trust that it's there. And, and that's another sort of uh, myth, you know, that we've perpetrated on ourselves is to be overprepared for everything and you get all stirred up and worked up and, and all the things that we do to ourselves just by, you know, revving the engine on our little mind and forgetting that spiritually there's something much deeper and stronger that will get us where we need to go if we just let it do its work. Yep, it, it, that's where the possibilities are. You know, I think that we're pretty primitive yet in understanding how it all works. So if you been, if you have ADHD or you think you do or you're struggling with attention issues, just really, like I would say, go listen to Sydney Banks and, and, and listen until you can get through the whole tape. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, just keep listening to quiet down and see what happens. Because yeah. there's a possibility that you can go beyond your own understanding to see something deeper, and that will change your life. Wow, that's so true. So on that note, we will say aloha and, you know, don't get well. up. Take care. Right. Right. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 